Hey everybody, this is John Newman and you are listening to Dark Rose Fiction. This is episode 4 and I've got an excellent story for you today. It's a very just eerie tale uh, called What Bernie Saw. And since I don't have any announcements, why don't we get right down to business? Bernie's breath came in short, heaving bursts as he tore through the trees at a breakneck speed. The roll of fat at his belt jiggled and jumped as he pounded over the rotting foliage in an old pair of worn work boots. Sweat poured from under the brim of his trucker-style ball cap, drizzling down his red, bloated face. He tripped, sliding in the leaves, still cold and wet from that morning's rain. He groaned as he hefted his excessive bulk up off the ground. All around him, the woods were silent as a grave at midnight. He couldn't hear anything. Maybe they weren't following. Bernie's Mack truck broke down 20 miles outside of St. Paul, Minnesota. He'd noticed the clunking in the engine for the last hour of the drive between Harrisburg and St. Paul, although mechanics at two way stations had given the vehicle a clean bill of health. Perfect, he grumbled. All I need is engine trouble out here in the sticks. His thoughts wandered back to finishing the delivery and crashing in a warm bed at the Holiday Inn with two pillows and a pair of warm blankets. The lukewarm coffee, which tasted slightly more like flavored water than anything else, rippled in the styrofoam cup as he cruised along the deserted highway, paying little attention to the dense forest to the left and right. As he allowed his instincts to take over the driving, he noticed that the knocking in the engine was growing louder. Suddenly, there was a loud kerchunk and the diesel engine sputtered and died. Bernie spouted expletives as he guided the rolling tractor trailer to the wide shoulder and applied the emergency brakes. Dislodging himself from the driver's seat, Bernie grabbed for his flashlight and walked around to the front of the truck, peering under the hood at the tangle of wires, tubes, and nondescript engine parts. Nothing seemed broken or out of place, distributor cap, spark plugs, everything was as it should be. He knew he had enough gas to last until St. Paul, or at least until the next service plaza. He checked under the vehicle, but there were no signs of fluid leakage. Sighing heavily, he clambered back into the truck and attempted to turn the ignition over. Nothing. Not even a sputter or a rumble. Nothing. Grabbing the two-way radio from the hook on the receiver, he rattled off a hasty SOS. He waited, hoping to hear a crackling response over the old speaker, but all he heard was static. Repeated attempts yielded little or less success. Clambering once again from the driver's seat, Bernie dealt a hefty kick to the front fender and threw his cap to the macadam in frustration. A thousand and one ideas raced through his head as he stood there in the dark on the abandoned highway. He could walk towards town and try to hitch a ride, but St. Paul was another hour by car, and Bernie noted that his ample gut didn't lend itself well to long walks, especially along deserted roads at midnight. Casting anxious looks up and down the road for any sign of approaching headlights, Bernie caught a casual glimpse of a low, flickering light filtering through the trees in the heavy forest to the left of the road. That's strange, he remarked, wondering who would have lit a fire in the middle of nowhere. But wait, 
No, it wasn't the middle of nowhere. Somewhere within the last ten minutes, he had seen a highway service sign advertising the Manitou Recreational Campground. It must be somewhere close by. No doubt the light he saw through the trees was the campfire of some vacationing family. The campground was sure to have an office of some kind, and they, more than likely, had a functioning phone or radio. Although he debated backtracking down the road in search of the campground entrance, he soon abandoned the idea. It would take anywhere from five minutes to an hour to reach the entrance, if it was there at all. He would stand a much better chance at reaching the fire if he sought out a path through the woods. Closing and locking the doors of the truck, Bernie ensured that the trailer hatch was securely battened. The last thing he needed was someone making off with his shipment while he was clambering through the woods. Having satisfied himself that the truck was impenetrable, he tugged once at the seat of his jeans and scrambled down the shallowly sloped embankment, his boots sliding in the wet grass. He reached the narrow ditch at the bottom of the embankment, pausing only a moment before he started up the hill leading into the woods. Aiming his flashlight here and there, Bernie sought out rocks embedded in the hillside on which he could support himself as he progressed upwards towards the low glow of the fire. The granite footholds were spread liberally over the leaf-strewn slope, and Bernie's progress was surprisingly fast, taking in the considerable depth of the steep incline. He only stopped once, about halfway up the hill for a quick breath, before continuing on towards the hilltop. Strange, he thought, as he huffed and puffed his way over the rocks, to have a campground so close to the highway. As he finally clambered up over the edge of the hill, he had a clear view of the fire through the trees. It was larger than most of the campfires Bernie had ever seen. Looks like a bonfire. He could barely make out the shapes of figures moving around the fire, and the faint melody of something sounding remarkably close to a bagpipe filtered towards him over the night breeze. Campfire tunes, Bernie made his way towards the fire, deciding to snap off the powerful flashlight as he did so. Something about this place didn't feel right, and he didn't want to alert whoever it was out there of his presence just yet. As he crept forward, he became more aware of the eerie tone of the music coming from the fireside. As the skilled flutist coaxed note after haunting note from the instrument, chills began to run up Bernie's spine. Bernie reached the row of ferns just outside the reach of the firelight, and crouched low in the shadows, staring wide-eyed at the strange group of people in the scrubby clearing. Whatever they were here for, it wasn't s'mores. Three people stood around the bonfire and they were unlike anyone Bernie had ever seen. The two standing closest to him were a man and a woman who appeared to be between twenty and twenty-five years of age. It was the man who was playing the instrument, a woodwind resembling an ancient clarinet. His hair was black and long, hanging in a greasy shock over the right half of his head, for the left side was shaved. The woman, who stood at his right, had voluminous black hair which hung about her bare shoulders in shining waves, she wore a close-fitting gown of some shimmering black fabric, and her slender arms were deathly pale. A tall man circled the fire, the robe he wore spilling about his bare feet on the grass and gravel. He was completely bald, and a long beard, black but streaked with gray, hung over his deep chest, reaching almost to his waist. His pale, long-fingered hands were clasped in front of him, protruding from the red hems of his voluminous sleeves. As he walked slowly around the fire, he spoke in a low, resonating voice, which made Bernie think of an old grave. It wasn't English. It was something older. A guttural, harsh language which sounded something akin to Russian or German. 
Gazing across the clearing, Bernie noticed a long black box which bore an uncomfortable resemblance to a casket. Sitting atop the box was a goblet, seemingly carved from some white stone. The bowl of the cup was fashioned after a skull, with the scalp removed. Bernie shuddered at the sight. As the tall man neared the box, he stooped, lifting the goblet with one hand and taking hold of the edge of the box's lid with the other. In a single deft motion, he tossed the lid aside, and it flew nearly ten feet before landing with a muffled thud in the grass. Bernie was shocked by the strength of the man's arm. He was further shocked when the man shot his arm down into the silk-lined coffin and drew out a blonde-haired woman, bound and gagged. She was awake, and her eyes were wide with terror. Until that moment, Bernie hadn't noticed how absolutely massive the man was for he towered over the woman, who looked dwarfed next to him. What happened next chilled Bernie to his bones. The man opened his mouth wide and bent down to the woman's neck. She screamed mutedly as blood welled around the edge of the man's sallow lips and ran down her neck, staining the front of the white nightgown that she wore a deep shade of red. Bernie shoved a fist into his mouth to keep from screaming. As the woman's eyelids fluttered back in her head, the man withdrew his mouth, stained crimson, and held the goblet up to the two puncture holes in the woman's jugular vein. The two others approached slowly as the goblet filled with the woman's life fluid. Bernie was drenched with sweat, and he was fairly sure that he had wet himself. As the tall man's companions drank deeply and turned from the cup, Bernie vomited into the brush. The woman's head snapped around. She was beautiful. Her lips were bright red and a face as pale as ice, a strikingly haunting effect. There was a sound similar to the shriek of a passing military jet, and the woman distorted. It was only for a brief fraction of a second, and at first Bernie thought it was a trick of the light. It was almost as if she stretched and snapped towards him like a rubber band, appearing close enough for him to feel her icy breath on his face. He wanted to run. Everything within his mind screamed for him to run but something about the fatally gorgeous woman before him paralyzed him. It was a scent. No. no. Something stronger, a pheromone. She reached up, taking his head in her hands as her mouth went to his throat. For the briefest moment, he saw her sharp, elongated incisor before it sunk into his neck. A feeling like two hypodermic needles in his vein was soon overtaken by a warm sensation which spread from his neck and down his left arm. Bernie's head spun, and he could feel his legs growing weaker as they wobbled unsteadily and finally buckled beneath him. The last thing he remembered before he blacked out was the woman's red lips curled in a fiendish smile over her razor-sharp fangs. When Bernie awoke, the fire was burnt down to its embers, and the last pale star hung in the sky. Bernie didn't wait to see if the vampires were still nearby. He ran, half-dashing and half-sliding down the stony hill. When he reached the shallow embankment, he stopped, fingering the fang marks in his neck. They had scabbed over, and they felt swollen and tender. His body was stiff from his night spent on the forest floor, and his head ached dully. At the peak of the embankment, a man in a pickup truck had pulled to a stop on the shoulder behind Bernie's truck. As Bernie clambered up onto the road, the man approached him at a slow run. Hey, buddy, did you break down? I saw your truck here, and... The man stopped as his eyes fell on the dry blood which stained Bernie's neck and shirt. Say, are you all right? But Bernie wasn't listening. 
With a speed which belied his girth, the bloody truck driver fell on his unsuspecting victim, sinking newly sprouted fangs into the man's neck and drinking deeply of the crimson flow. As the man slunk to the road, Bernie glanced up into the sky. Dawn was approaching quickly. He would rest in the coffin by the fire for the remainder of the day and arise with the moon to feed again. That was What Bernie Saw, a vampire story with an interesting twist ending. Some of you probably saw that coming, but hopefully some of you didn't. Uh, initially, I was going to have uh, Bernie killed by the vampires, but I thought it would be kind of interesting if I flipped it around on you and had him kill somebody instead. Uh, I'd like to hear what you thought about this story, uh, see how many of you figured out the ending before we got there. Um, you can post your comments at uh, darkrosefiction.blogspot.com or you can email me at my new email address jrnewman that's j-r-n-e-u-m-a-n at comcast.net and uh, yeah, tell me what you think. I'd really like to, to hear what people think of my stories. Uh, I've had some commenters on Of Mice and Men, the last story I put up, so uh, that makes me happy. And uh, I just hope you guys keep coming back for more. Um, next week I have uh, two story ideas lined up, and we'll see which one uh, gets the go-ahead. Um, until then, this is John Newman saying, Wear garlic and crucifixes. See you later. <laughs>